everybody, it's Obi from the Obi and Act Show. Today, we have best-selling author and award-winning international speaker. She's also a human rights activist and named one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women, Samra Zafar. Hi, everyone. Hey, Thank you. you for being here. Thank you for having me. Amazing. And I've got a signed copy of this new wonderful book. Congratulations on all your success, Thank by the you. way. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy. Um, I I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Amazing. And I, um, I guess we'll start the show. I, you know, um, you have so many accolades and so many things that you've, that you've accomplished. And I just want to go back and start. How did the journey start? Take us back to, uh, to when all this, all this began. It all started, you know, way in the beginning, even when I was a little girl. You know, I grew up in a very... Um, patriarchal society, a culture where often I was told that my dreams weren't valid because I'm a girl. And uh, the fact that I actually want to go to school and get an education and change the world and make a difference, um, it doesn't quite fit into my role and the box that I was prescribed by society of being a proper woman, a good girl, um, who, who should really be dreaming about weddings and, and uh, how to cook and how to clean and being a homemaker. So um, I often felt, you know, like a bit of a misfit growing up. And uh, I always like thought that, am I the crazy person here? Because all my friends and my cousins and everybody around me are uh, talking about the wedding gown that they're going to wear and the bangles that they're going to wear. And here I am talking about, you know, going to Harvard or Stanford and changing the world. So yeah. so it started from a very young age when I when I really sort of, thought I need to downplay myself and um, fit into a certain box in order to be accepted. And, uh, but I was also a bit of a rebel. So mm -hmm. I, I played cricket outside uh, on the street with all the guys and I started a school newspaper because I wanted to share my radical ideas of gender equality. And yep. I um, uh, you know, started a girls cricket team in my school. Wow. <laughs> so I was always pushing that stereotype and, um, uh, and just kind of, going along and I'm like, yeah, now that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to believe in my dreams. I'm going to go after my, my goals. But then little did I know that those goals and dreams were uh, would come to a very crashing halt. Uh, because when I was 16 years old, I was in grade 11. My mom came into my room and told me that there's a marriage proposal for me from this man who lives in this faraway country called Canada. He's 11 years older and... Uh, he wants to marry me and his family have picked me to be there to be his wife um, and a few months later I was married to this man against my wishes I was pressured into it because I was told that that's what the right things do is if I if I say no it means it's um, it's going to be um, almost being ungrateful to a gift from God and uh, and I didn't want to be that ungrateful child and uh, you know I, I just felt like everybody else is saying this all my family and everybody's saying that this is the right thing so maybe I should just maybe it is you know and, and as a 16 year old what do you know so soon after my 17th birthday I found myself sitting beside this man who I'd never met before and he was now my new husband and then a few months after that I arrived in this big beautiful and very cold country mm -hmm. called Canada yeah. as his wife and uh, then was told that um, my dreams of going to school and everything is is selfishness and I should be grateful that I got to the real purpose of being a woman sooner rather than later and didn't have to go through all of that education crap. Um, so it really just, you know, started from that place of being put into box after box of being a good wife, of being a good mother, being a good daughter-in-law. And 
all I was was those roles. I had no individuality. I was stripped away of my agency. Um, I went through years and years of abuse. And at that time, I didn't even know what to call it. I didn't even have a name for it. I didn't even know it was abuse because apparently it was just normal. That's what uh, every woman tolerates. So um, I should fit into that box and I should just be okay with it. But it never felt okay, you know, and it uh, no matter what happened and what how much I tried to tolerate it, there was this voice in my head that was like, no, this just doesn't feel right. There has to be something better out there. Um, it doesn't feel normal. And I kept fighting in little ways. So, you know, um, I would study it uh, in the night um, in my room when I wasn't allowed to go and finish my high school to a regular high school. So I, st- I ordered all my courses through distance learning and I would do all my chores. I would take care of his, him and his parents and put my baby to sleep and then go into my room at night and study. And that would be sort of my escape time. Uh, and that time that I looked forward to all day and took me five years or so to finish my high school. Then I started, uh, uh, applied to university and he didn't want to pay a penny towards it. And I couldn't get student funding because his income was too high and they look at household income. So then I said like, okay, I need to make money. So I started working as a babysitter at home to save every penny I could while supplementing the family income. And uh, so it took that 10 year journey of finally being able to set foot into a university at the age of 26 after nine years of marriage and two children. And over that 10 years, you know, what were you feeling? (sighs) Lost, scared, invalidated, um, at times hopeless and helpless. Like there were times when I just didn't want to go on. Um, there's a very powerful scene in, in, not in the book, but in the article that I wrote in Toronto Life a few years ago, where, um, I actually went into the bathroom with with a blade and I wanted to end my life. And my daughter, who was about less than a year at the time, woke up and started to cry at that very instant. I just didn't want to go on and I used to pray for death because um, life was just so dark. You know, I, I often describe abuse as living in this dark box with no light and just enough air that you can breathe and survive, but not enough air for you to be actually take deep breaths and, and thrive. Yeah. It's like living in this state of constant suffocation and feeling like you are always living in fear, always walking on eggshells. Like every day I used to wake up and pray that it would be a dull, uneventful day because that would be a good day. And this was 10 years of mm-hmm. mental, physical abuse. All kinds day of abuse, after day. mental, physical um, financial, um, all kinds of abuse. So what was that, what was that motivation for you to, I guess, you know, you, you got into the university and, and you're working and, and working so hard as a babysitter and, and yeah. bas- doing whatever means necessary. What was that motivation that you had to do all that and persevere? You know, um, it, it was in those really rough moments when you're faced with a choice of, am I going to Am I going to give up or am I going to go on? Am I going to try one more time? And all the stuff that I was going through, there was always this hope, this little, I would say, flame of a passion in my mind that I want to go to school. Education was sort of like my thing. 
even from a very young age like i was that girl um in grade school uh who i would get 99% on a test and i would be pissed off about the 1% that i didn't get so <laughs> it drive yeah, everyone crazy yeah. but glad you didn't have my marks you've been really pissed <laughs> <laughs> so, well everyone has different strengths you know i love that albert einstein co- quote that if you judge a fish by its ability to fly it will always believe it's stupid yeah so <laughs> that's true that. academia was my thing yeah. and i and i lean into it so i always knew that education is sort of my um like it's something i'm not going to give up on like i i would i i was giving up on my you know i was not allowed to go out of the house have any friends no freedom no independence i gave up on all of that but education was was something that i just held very dear to my heart so even during those dark days of feeling completely hopeless and helpless i would still stand in front of a mirror with a piece of paper rolled up in my hand and practice the acceptance speech that i would give on my graduation day yeah. one day i love that and love that. and not only just graduating but graduating as the top student yeah and i did that it and that's happened that's not an easy <laughs> thing to do where did you go for university uft and you know it it's <laughs> also went to uft and it's hard yeah. <laughs> it's a hard school and that's and that's amazing i think the big thing you know that i get from this is you know if you see it yeah. you can do it you visualize it yeah. every every cell in your body and in your being works towards it like i truly believe that like if you visualize it if you manifest it like you mm. you actually like i at that and this these were days when there was no hope i didn't even have high school i had no like how am i going to do it i had no path no help everybody around me was telling me that i'm selfish and and stupid and i should just give up and accept my fate and my destiny including my family not mm-hmm. just his family but my own mom yeah. you know but it was just like this thing in my head was like if i don't believe in my dreams who will absolutely if i don't fight for my goals who will mm-hmm. right if i give up then who will fight for me Yeah. If I don't respect mm-hmm. my dreams and goals and who will like so I knew that it has like it has to be me and I could give up on anything but education is not something that I'm going to give up on. Yeah. And I think it's even just saying what that dream is period yeah. is hard for a lot of people because they're so scared that that reality will never yeah. come so even saying it is just it's too much for them. And I think manifesting anything out there you're you know putting it out in the universe and just saying it is such a huge step and then you continue from there yeah. because like as you put it out then the steps follow and, you know and we okay. had when we had dinner you know one thing that you know just kept resonating in my mind was just how lucky you know women are out there that you did persevere because people need to see people that have went through adversity so it's you know you just because you've you pulled through and you and you had that drive and that tenacity and that grit because that's what it comes down to in my opinion what yeah. you've shown here is just the ability to you know fo- fossil all that energy inside and push forward and it's and it's so many people that you have helped that you're going to continue to help you know with your story that's that's what jumps out at me and I shared that over yeah. supper with you you know that it's just it's it's an incredible story and that's what I had to reach out to you when <laughs> I read the story it was just it's incredible the inner strength thank you inner strength how important is inner strength you know i do i it sometimes people ask me what is that magic ingredient and as if you know people think resilience is something you either are born with or not or inner strength to your point is something that you have mm-hmm. or you don't have i truly believe it's a muscle that you mm-hmm. develop and every time you act from a place of courage the next time it becomes 
you, you can take a bigger courageous step. Yeah. And courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is, yes, I'm afraid. I accept mm. I'm afraid. I accept fear as a normal emotion because it is. And I still choose to act from a place of courage while being afraid. Yeah. Whether you're, losing, you're, you're walking away from a job that, or a career that doesn't serve you well anymore. Whether you are you know, going and um, sitting in your first ever psychologist appointment. Mm-hmm. Whether you are afraid of you know, what those test results are going to look like. Whether you're applying to university and you don't know if you're going to get in or not. Or reinventing your life or leaving a marriage or whatever it is. Whenever you're looking, you're, you're doing something to change, it's uncomfortable Absolutely. and you're afraid mm-hmm. and there's uncertainty there. So courage is, yes, I'm afraid and it feels uncomfortable. I'm still going to go ahead and do it. Yeah, and that's where you And every grown. time, yeah, every time you act from that place and you, sh- sh- you, know, you demonstrate courage and then you get validated for it and you're like, yeah, I'm onto something. I know how to do this. I can do this more. Mm-hmm. So... I think for me, in those days, I never had a grand plan of like, I'm going to get my education and then I'm going to leave my marriage and then I'm going to get a job and then I'm going to be sitting in front of, you know, a camera one day (laughs) talking about it. I mean, no, but I, I just knew at that time, for me, courage looked like picking up the phone and calling the independent learning center and saying, no, I, I, I can't go to a high school to finish my high school, so I, can I order courses and do it to, through distance learning? At that time, courage, courage was, you know, putting, putting my little babysitting ad out on Kijiji and, and being able to talk to parents and, and look after their kids. Or um, courage was applying to university for the first time, yeah. you know, and, and it was those little things. That, and that, those were big things for me. Huge, right? My so, um, my, my dad did a a really cool in, uh, exercise with me when I was younger, and I actually don't I didn't really appreciate it until recently. Uh, what he did was um, he turned on the lights. He's like, "Come downstairs," and I'm like, "This is weird." I'm like, "Why are you showing me? We're in the living room." We'll turn off the lights, and then I was scared. He's like, "Let's go towards." I'm like, "The window," and I'm like, "I don't want to. I'm, yeah. I'm in the dark. I'm scared. I don't know what's across the room." Turn on the lights, and he goes, "Do you see what's there?" I'm like, "Yeah." Turned it off again. He's like. It's just a different view. It's a yeah. different perspective. And just, I think the thing is what I, what I see from you and your story, so as you, Andy, is, is being okay to be in the dark because it's mm-hmm. very uncomfortable. But the same thing is, it's just a path it's towards, a path. it's a path that we're taking. You have yeah. to go through that tunnel yeah. in order to reach the light. Exactly. And going through that tunnel is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And you go through different tunnels in life. And sometimes you go through bigger ones or smaller ones or darker ones or not so dark ones. You know, I'm going through my own tunnels right now, right? And and sometimes you're you know going through concurrent tunnels at the same time, but it's like if you don't if you don't lean in, if you never step foot in there, you'll never know what's on the other side. Uh, yeah. And it's very hard to know what's on the other side. Sometimes it's, it yeah. doesn't turn out as what you expect. It's the unknowns. We're all scared. And sometimes of that. it turns yeah. out wonderful. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. wow, this wasn't as bad. As yeah. <laughs> and, and I think one of the you know even heard on uh, one of my favorite movies, Shawshank Redemption, where they say salvation lies within. Um, you know and when you're sitting there and you don't see, you know, you don't see it in front of you, huh. you know, um, but you feel it inside and you do train yourself. And we talked about this before the yeah. show, um, you know, and I, I believe this uh, full heartedly is that, you know, you can't, you, you have to believe in yourself and you have to know that when things are going great for people, that's not when you're growing. Yeah. 
It's when things Absolutely. go bad. When I lost my father a few months back um, and we had to shoot the show and he said, you go and you shoot that show. You know, it's, it's going through pain. People want to hear from people that have been through pain. Yeah. And that's how you grow. That's how you raise the bar. When you hear people say, totally. raise the bar, you don't raise the bar when you're skipping to meetings and everything's no. wonderful. You no. raise the bar when you go through adversity. Um, when you got to, you know, when you got into university, what was it like looking back at where you came from? How did you, how did you handle the reality of where you had come from? And where, where you are and where you were going. Yeah, when I started university, I was still married. So I was in, um, I was given permission to take one course. And by who? By my husband, because I was still with him. So okay. he said, uh, just take one course in the night, uh, because I still had to run the daycare. I still had to take care of my kids. I still had to s- serve his parents. And um, you're allowed to take one course. Don't talk to anyone. Don't make any friends. Don't raise your hand in class. Don't be noticed. In other words, be wow. invisible. Oh Crazy to me. And, and I would literally go in and be invisible. And when people would even try to talk to me, I would like, my, the dialogue in my head was, I'm not worthy of this. Uh, I'm the scum stuck at the bottom of his shoe. Um, no one would want to talk to me. Sooner or later, they're going to realize that, you know, I'm just a piece of shit. So I wouldn't even engage mm-hmm. with people. I wouldn't raise my hand in class. I wouldn't, you know, uh, answer any questions or ask any questions. And and then I I got a hundred percent on my first midterm. So my prof uh, decided to announce my name in class. And then like there goes my chances of being invisible. <laughs> There's my so, anonymity. I know, right? Uh, Good for you. But what that did for me was that, you know, now people are like, hey, how did you solve that question? Like, do you want to go grab Starbucks? We can study together. Or like tomorrow it's half price chicken wings at the student pub. So (laughs) UTM. (laughs) So, you know, so let's let's do that. And initially I was like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. Like my husband will find out. I actually thought he had spies on campus watching me and they'll report back to him. Uh, So I was always on my best behavior because I didn't want to. Paranoia was also. And I didn't want to jeopardize my chances of, of going to school so um but slowly I, I felt those walls crumbling and i felt myself raising my hand and talking and sharing ideas and then i would go home and he would have no idea what happened in school today that i actually went out for coffee mm-hmm. or i answered a question or i'm like wow so this is just my life like when i'm on campus it's me i'm not a wife i'm not a mom i'm not a daughter-in-law i'm just samra yeah Right. And I leaned into it. And then I started participating fully and I started making friends. And for the very first time in my life, I was being treated with kindness and respect for the very same things that I was being ridiculed for at home. Mm-hmm. You know, my dreams and goals, my ambitions, uh, what makes me who I am. And, you know, the fact that I'm intelligent and smart, you know, as, from a very, very young age, even as a little girl, I, I was always told those dreams are not valid and I shouldn't be too smart. I'm too smart for being a girl and all of that. But now those same things are, are being celebrated, you know, and, and I would go home and I would be told things like, why can't you be your normal woman like everyone else's wife? Like, why do you have to be so abnormal and have all these big dreams? And, um, a, 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 but then I would go to school and I'm like, I feel normal. I feel like I belong. Yeah. Right. A I sense feel of like, identity. Mm-hmm. So I found I found me and I found a voice and it still took me two years of back and forth. And one day I was actually 
you know, walking on campus and I stumbled upon the health and counseling center and there was a board there which had a bunch of questions on it. Do you feel intimidated? You've lost your voice. You can't go on. Uh, you're living in fear. And I just stood there answering yes to all of those questions. Went in, made an appointment. It was the counseling center and I was sitting across from my counselor a few days later and the floodgates opened and I was like, can you just tell me what's wrong with me? Why, why do I... You know, why, why do I always mess up? What is that secret to being a good wife that keeps eluding me? Maybe if I wash better clothes or cook, the, cook better food or keep the baby quieter at night or not talk too much or not have opinions, maybe this will change. And if it's not supposed to change, if this is normal, like everyone says it is, then why doesn't it feel normal? Mm -hmm. And this is the very first time anyone in my life said to me, this is not your fault you are being abused and you do not deserve that. No one deserves that. And it's the first time I heard the word abuse. And then I started reading about it and educating myself and going to counseling regularly. And I learned that, you know, I, I do have rights as a person, as a human being, as a woman, as a Canadian. And this isn't okay. And I do deserve better. And the saddest part, I'm not the only one this happens to. Exactly. I was just going to touch on yeah. that, that not, I mean, just listening to this right now, you know, not, you don't even think that, people have this reality yeah. where they think that they don't have rights or even know what the word yeah. abuse really means. Exactly. And, and, and I mean, I, mean, I don't have it that bad. He's not breaking my bones. <clears throat> yeah. You know, it's just a push. It's just a shove. He just spit in my face the other day, but that doesn't really physically hurt. So maybe it's not abuse. Yeah. Like that's what you feel and you believe and that's Make what you're told. Stories. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you, you hang on to that hope that things will get better because abusers are skilled manipulators and they, they will apologize and everything will appear. Oh my God, like this person finally gets it and he's going to treat mm. me well and you don't want to break up your family. But then, you know, as soon as things are back to normal, the same things Keeps happen. It's a cycle. Yeah. And I also learned that, you know, um, uh, I grew up watching my dad abuse my mom and I normalized it in my marriage. And I could see that my daughters will grow up watching this and normalize it in their lives. And that was the biggest catalyst for me, that I need to break this cycle for my girls. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's in that eventually what, what was that ultimate deciding factor when I finally left. Um, I was in my second year of undergrad. I was... Uh, uh, I was almost homeless. I was broke. I had no money, no friends. Um, I didn't have a master plan figured out, but I also knew that if I don't take a shot, if I don't try, I'll never know. If I don't go through that tunnel, if I don't step foot the in, rest of your life too. I'll never know. And I knew that, uh, you know, I was 28 at that time. And I said, every day I regret, why didn't I stand up for myself when I was being married off? I don't want to regret when I'm in my 50s that why didn't I do something about it when I was younger. Exactly. So I left and um, luckily I was a student at U of, U of T and the Mississauga campus, UTM. So they gave me emergency housing there because my husband sold the house from under me and I was almost out on the streets with my wow. girls. And um, I lived in a tiny student housing apartment. I was working five on-campus jobs, minimum wage. I was, I was a TA, I was an RA, I was working at the office of the dean. Wow. I was working at the student center selling, doing night shifts, selling bus tickets and, and movie tickets. And I figured out a secret plan to make some money. I, I love cooking. So I was able to sell homemade butter chicken and biryani to students on campus. Yo, I would have <laughs> bought all that up. So that's what <laughs> made, helped me make some money on You're the side. So cool. I'm from Scarborough campus. So like if that was sold there... I, and, and that's Ow. how I made a lot of friends too. We got our too. producers laughing because they were the 
and I and I actually and I actually made some friends who are yeah. still my friends today. So I tease them. I know your friend, my friend, because of the butter chicken. And they're like, they're like, that's how it started. But we love you now. So that's amazing. So, that's hustle. That's grit and determination. Yeah. And I think the other thing. That and I, I rented out a room in my little apartment <laughs> to another girl, and I said, watch my children when I'm at night shift, uh, and I'll charge you half the rent that you would pay elsewhere. So I found uh, these creative ways of like just just yeah, just making it work. Scrappy. And then, love and it. And then two years later, I graduated as the top student and I was giving that acceptance That's speech. amazing. <laughs> Michelle talks about that in her interview. Michelle Romano, she talks about being scrappy and rolling yeah. up the sleeves and yeah. getting things done. The other thing that this reminds me of as well is, you know, I think a lot of people out there, and you're a prime example of it, a lot of people out there expect um, just something great to happen mm. where it's a lot of little things little done things. well it's every single day. It's you know, little things. Right? And not, e- and not even things done well. It's just things done. Things done. Sometimes Absolutely. it won't end up well. Yeah. Like, you know, there were, there were times when I tried something and it didn't work. There were times yeah. when I heard a no or many no's. But it's about, okay, this door closed. Let's try to find another one. Let's knock on another it's one. It's being Go. actionable, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're not doing anything, 100%. then like, that's the worst part. Like, dr- it, yeah. yeah. You <laughs> said to me at dinner that day that... Wouldn't you rather fail trying and moving than just yeah. fail sitting? Standing still. Exactly. Yeah. Most most people that I talk to that have unsuccessful businesses or un, or unhappy lives, it's not that they do a big bad mistake. Yeah. It's not that they take too much of a risk. It's that they stand there like a deer in headlights and they do nothing. nothing. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So this story, if if anything, our viewers take is to keep moving. Yeah. Keep you know? moving. Keep putting one step in front of the other. Yeah. Um, and just don't stay still. Like you'll fall. Absolutely. It's inevitable. You will fail. Yeah. There have been people who walked out of my life. Uh, there have been, um, you know, heartbreaks. Uh, there have been uh, family members who've, who've shunned me. Uh, backlash that I've faced because of what I speak about. Yeah. Um, things I failed at, you know, courses that didn't work out for me. A lot of stuff has gone wrong, but a lot of stuff has also gone right. But I never would have known that if I hadn't tried a lot of stuff to begin with. So, fail, so essentially, and we talked about this in the pre-show, failure. Yeah. Talk to me about failure. How does failure propel Failure you? is essential to success. You know, failure, and it, 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 failure, the word has such a negative connotation to it. Mm-hmm. I, I actually call it like crucial lessons and crucial steps. Like when I look back, for example, last year was probably the most successful. In fact, it was the most successful year. I had a best-selling book, which is being made into a film. It is. TV Whoa, series. that's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's being made into a TV series. I knew that. Oh, no, you did <laughs> tell me. You did tell me. You did tell me. That's yeah, amazing. so I had, I had that book. I won two major awards. I was named Top 25 yeah. Canadian Immigrant of the Year and Top 100 Most Powerful Women. Um, and, you know, I've, I had a bunch of other successes. But... It was like, when I look back now, you know, it's been a journey of a ton of failures, a ton of missteps (laughs) and detours and, you know, getting back up when you're put down and nose and backlash and all kinds of stuff that has led to this. And, And even now, there are things that I'm dealing with right now. You know, there are career transitions that I'm going through. There are no's that I'm hearing, yeah. you know, but I also know that this is just, you know, if, if I try something and I'm, and I'm not, I'm, it's not, I'm not doing it well. It just means that that thing is not right for me. I've just learned something more about me. Yeah. I want to do a PhD in Samra. Yeah. <laughs> I want to you know, learn what makes me tick, what yeah. I'm good at, what are my strengths. 
And 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 you know, people get really bogged down by relationships not working out, friends leaving and all of that. And I always say that if you're not getting what you need to show up as who you are, you're not asking for the wrong things, you're asking the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So the people who walked out of my life have just left more room for the right people to walk into my life. Yes. Right? The Love opportunities that, that haven't, haven't worked out have taught me more about the opportunities that will work out. Because you changed your norm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like your norm was completely different from what it is now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's hard for a lot of people to change what normal looks yeah. like to them. Because it, one, it's a mental thing. to just a circumstances thing. could be financial, whatever it may be. But you build that new norm through all those failures and un- through all those unknowns and all those dark rooms yeah. that you go through. And I think, you know, one of the other things I think that, you know, is important for our viewers is, you know, normal is what society <laughs> and what people are parents, right? Because, mm-hmm. because normal is safe. Safe is being mediocre. In yeah. my opinion, yeah. I think sometimes going outside of the box and, you know, I, I'm not built not corporate, just going out you know? of outside just of the box, crazy. shatter the box. Yeah, just annihilate Like it. literally shatter I the box. I hunt gazelles for a living. Yeah. I slaughter them. That's not <laughs> nice to say. But the reality is, is it's go out there and just, and, and be vulnerable. And Do you. Yeah, absolutely. Do you. There's one you. Yeah. There's not ever going to be another you. No, I hope not. Do you. If there's two Obies. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, the word would be a very nice, nicer oh, place, I think. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I'm all for about the compliments obese. right now. <laughs> no, you know, I, um, <laughs> the unapologetically. You. On, on, the, on the notion of normal, my wallpaper on my phone is a Maya Angelou quote that I live by. And it says, if you're always trying to be normal, you will never know how amazing you can be. Oh, I didn't even hey, know that was on there. Yeah. It's amazing. See, I brought that yeah. up and it's meant for us to talk yeah. about. The other thing I, I think we should touch on too is um, we always hold... Uh, resentments how does forgiveness play a role in in you moving forward I think forgiveness and empathy and kindness it starts within from within you actually have to be kind and practice this on a diligent basis and you know it sort of loops into what we were talking about failure because hindsight is twenty twenty. like you look back and you're like yeah I know I made a mistake and and I or I had a misstep or I failed at this so it led me to here right but when you're in it when you're actually you just made a mistake or you just heard a no or a door just slammed in your face or something like that it's really hard to have that perspective because you don't have the what comes next out of it right so you kind of just believe yeah this is happening for a reason but you don't know what that reason is you don't know what that next looks like Sometimes so it's, it's hard better that way yeah. you know it is but but what i'm trying to say is like in that moment you are we become so hard on ourselves like if yeah. if if you came to me and said you know samra i just I just screwed up and I made this mistake and whatever. And I'm going to be like, you know what? That's okay. You, you know, it, it, you'll, you'll get through it, learn your lesson, you know, and move on because next time you'll do a better job at it. Yeah. Right. Whereas how would I talk to myself? Oh my God, I'm so stupid. I can't believe mm-hmm. I did that. Like I'm just going to crash and burn and I'm never yeah. going to be, never going to amount to anything. We catastrophize things in our head. So that forgiveness piece, that kindness piece has to start from you. Yeah. And, uh, and then you're in a, in a kinder place to then for be able to forgive others. Or, um, and, and when it comes to resentment, I believe that if I hold space in my heart with resentment, anger, and, um, and hate, it just leaves less space for love and joy and happiness. 
You know, it's a lot so, of energy as well that it, that mm-hmm. is that is put into negativity. Negativity yeah. it causes more it's wasted the, it, energy yeah. than anything and else. And you don't forgive someone because what they did was right. Yeah. Uh, you know, my what my ex-husband did to me, what my parents did to me, um, what what his parents did to me will never be okay. Mm-hmm. But if I hang on to that hate and resentment, I'm just giving them more power exactly. over my present that they don't deserve. And that energy can be used yeah. somewhere else better. Exactly, you know, than, exactly. Than just hurting yourself, so. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, um, whenever you look at, at people that are successful, there's a common trend, you know, and I, I've got to see this now over, you know, shooting all these different episodes with, with successful people in, in different verticals, um, is that, is, is that you're, on, you're in charge of your own destiny, you mm-hmm. know? Only, you truly are. You know, you're, the de- you're the creator of your life. Yeah. You are, you have the power to grab life by the horns and steer it into the direction that you yeah. want it to go in. Absolutely. And you're hard, you know, it, it's like you just said, you know, we're our hardest critic, you know, ultimately out there. There's no one harder on me than Andy O'Brien. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, learning from, learning from adversity and learning from even the way other people act, you know, I, I try and learn from, you know, even somebody that's being negative towards me or something that I failed in all this, all this stuff that I would usually, you know, back in the day, I would focus on little things, you know, that were completely out of my control. How does, how does that play a role? Knowing what you control, knowing what you don't, goes back to that serenity prayer but how do you how do you look at how do you control what you what you control and how do you kind of let go of what you don't i do my best and i give everything my best shot but i'm also a believer in energy i truly believe that your body tells you and this is something i'm learning more and more as i go along your body tells you when you're in a situation where it's not right for you mm-hmm. and it, it's that gut feeling it's that spidey sense that you get you know when yeah. you when you meet someone and you're like i don't know why but i i'm not really feeling this person i don't i'm not liking being around them and yeah. and then your mind will try to tell you but no they, they haven't said anything bad to you like you know i'm just crazy i don't know what it is it's like my past trauma yeah. or something that's acting up and you know yeah. you try to talk yourself out of it but no pay attention because we're, it's all energy and we when we're among our people and when you're among your people you can you feel you feel like you're comfortable. You feel like yeah. you can be yourself. You can share. Say what you need. Mm-hmm. Say what you want and be who exactly. you are. I think that's what it's about. Um, yeah. We're actually running out of time. So we'd love to say, if there's, is there anything you'd want to say to leave it on I the think, last note? I think I just want to end it off with a message of hope. You know, um, choose to hope. No matter how hard it is, no matter what you're going through right now, choose hope over despair choose love over hate, choose courage over fear. And no matter what the situation is, there's always a way. You just have to find it. You know, if someone like me who is a childhood sexual abuse survivor, a child marriage survivor, a domestic abuse survivor, someone who struggles with anxiety disorder, you know, I've seen mental health issues with my kids. And if I can sit here right now, I was never supposed to make it. I was never supposed to come this far. I was not even supposed to like, you know, have any identity. The fact that I'm able to do this, like this is proof that no matter what you go through, when you believe in yourself, you will find the people who will believe in you. But it starts with you. It starts with you. It starts from deep within. It starts with you being standing in front of a mirror and giving yourself pep talks. 
and then knocking on enough doors and some of them will bound, are bound to open. So choose that hope even in those times when you feel that there's nothing out there. I'm telling you, I promise that there is lots out there. There's a lot of life after adversity. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of amazing people. There's a lot more good in this world. And I truly believe in that energy. So choose hope. Amazing message. Love Thank it. you so much for Thank joining you for us. You're a great example um, of just such a great person. You deserve it all. And I know uh, even bigger things are coming. Thank Thanks you so much. much. Thanks for having me. So.